0: What's up, guys? Pete Mundo here. Thanks for checking out this week's radio show and podcast forum. Please do do us a favor, and we'll send you something in return. Please do rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you have to do is send me a screenshot of your rating and your review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll get the koozie in the mail. It's a win-win. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three. And Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line. Touchdown. I can feel it coming
1: on now as the music
0: plays. Taking shots with
1: the night owls. He's at the bail of 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5. Into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going on. And the Cyclones win it.
2: They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some barrage. They just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's
0: 81 yards for McCleskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. It's a touchdown! Oh, coming down. Well, we're getting there. We are getting closer and closer to spring football. It might not feel like it where you are but we're getting there. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Appreciate you joining us wherever you are joining us, whether it's radio, podcast, YouTube, whatever it might be. Thanks for making us part of what you're doing and getting through this terrible winter, at least here in Kansas City, when it comes to Talking some Big 12 football. We're going to get to the hoops here coming up with Matthew Postins. A lot to get to there. It's all on Heartland College Sports Weekly. But something I want to do, you know, the offseason, sometimes you got to think of different topics on the football side of things, right? We'll get to the basketball, don't worry. But on the football side of things, you know, I was talking with our guy, Derek Duke, and we kind of had the football side of the operation at heartlandcollegesports.com. And he threw this out to me. He said, you know, someone suggested to him on Twitter that maybe this quarterback crop in 2019 for the Big 12 would be the best since 2008. And I'm initially thinking, no way. It can't be close to 2008. So let's take a look at that here. Let's look at the guys who would be the starting quarterbacks for this year in 2019 in the Big 12. All right, Charlie Brewer for Baylor, right? Brock Purdy for Iowa State. I'm going to do the guarantees first off. Skyler Thompson at K-State, can we say that? Is that a guarantee? I think it is. Oklahoma State, of course, Jalen Hurts. Excuse me, Oklahoma Jalen Hurts. Oklahoma State, I'd say Spencer Sanders, right? I'd say so. Uh, Texas, Sam Ellinger. TCU's kind of up in the air right now. Texas Tech, Alan Bowman, West Virginia, Austin Kendall. Now, it's a great group of guys, but There's not, I mean, maybe Jalen Hurts because he's playing for Lincoln Riley, but it's not like there's a lock for the Heisman in there, right? Maybe Jalen Hurts because of Lincoln Riley. And then is there a surefire first-round pick in that group? Not that I'm seeing. Now, I know some of those guys are too young, like Brock Purdy, but Charlie Brewer is a four-year guy. I mean, he's a nice quarterback. He's a four-year guy. Skylar Thompson. I mean, Sam Ellinger is a good quarterback. hes I don't even know if he would work in the NFL at this point, based on what I've seen, but he's still got a couple of years, so he can grow into it. But is it the best since 2008? And when you compare it to the guys in 2008, I don't think it's close. You look back on 08, and you see guys like Sam Bradford. You see guys like Colt McCoy. you see Zach Robinson. Don't forget, RG3 was a freshman that year at Baylor. You had Chase Daniel. You had Todd Reesing. You had Josh Freeman at Kansas State. These are guys that were legitimate quarterbacks, not just in college, but in the NFL, some of them. Now, listen, Sam Bradford was a better college quarterback than, of course, he turned out to be in the NFL. But, you know, he's still floating around. That is a fantastic top-to-bottom group of quarterbacks there that you had in 2008. Uh, My goodness. I mean, that is arguably as good as it gets. Now, I know the whole thing with the Big 12. The guys can't win playoff games. Patrick Mahomes, the first true Big 12 quarterback to win a playoff game, and he won one this past year. I get all that. But when you talk about guys who have played in the NFL, who had major success in college, I, I, I don't think it's close right? I mean, Bradford, McCoy, Freeman, RG3, right off the bat. I mean, those are four guys off the top of your head that did a little something in the NFL. Uh, You're going to find four guys in this group right now in the Big 12 in 2019 that are going to play in the NFL. I mean, Austin Kendall, I I like Austin Kendall. I liked him sparingly at OU. He was a big-time recruit, a four-star guy, but we don't really know what Austin Kendall is. Sam Ellinger, Jalen Hurts, it's a crazy, but Jalen Hurts is going to be now the third transfer quarterback to start at OU for three straight years, and he's good. And I assume he's going to get the job, but he's the worst of the past three, not a knock on him. It's just Baker Mayfield was the best, in my opinion, best, not the best athlete, the best quarterback. Then you had a little bit of a step down from the quarterback perspective to Kyler Murray, great athlete though. And now you have Jalen Hurts, who I am fascinated to see. What, uh, what Lincoln Riley's going to be able to do with Jalen Hurts. But um, it's this kind of off-season stuff where you go back and forth with people, you have these conversations, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. But I don't think that this group, and I, I don't know what Spencer Sanders is, Alan Bowman, I like him. Is Alan Bowman a product of Cliff Kingsbury? I don't know. I, I, I do not know. TCU's up in the air right now. After the transfer of Sean Robinson. Honestly, I don't think the transfer of Sean Robinson is a big deal. I think it's okay. I, even before the injury, was not overly impressed with what I saw. But you got questions there. You know, the best of the group could end up being Brock Purdy. I just, you know, I don't want to anoint him that after a freshman season. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him just yet. So there's still there's still quite a few Kings to work out, but it could be a very underrated, let's agree on that, an underrated group of quarterbacks in the Big 12 where the average college football fan may not know who these guys are before the season. They'll know Jalen Hurts because of Alabama. They'll probably know Sam Unger. Are they going to know Skylar Thompson? Or are they going to know Brock Purdy or Charlie Brewer or Alan Bowman? You know, the diehard fan will. Will the college, the casual college fan know who that is? probably not. I assume they will by the time the season ends. That is where uh, the Big 12 can count on some progression for its conference here in 2019, which is always exciting. Um, Something else I want to touch on. I was reading this article in Sports Illustrated on sportsillustrated.com. I don't, uh, you know, like the guys at SI used to work there actually on the digital side when I was in New York. Fine, fine group of individuals. But I mean, the, the magazine itself is basically toilet paper at this point. I mean, there's nothing in it. Uh, and I know that's the case for a lot of magazines, but I'm sorry, there's nothing in the darn thing. There's nothing there. So they wrote about Texas, Texas a and and whether or not the hype train is is too much for both programs right now. You know, they both had really good years. You think about Texas getting to the Big 12 title game. Uh, you think about beating Georgia, right? And then you think about Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies winning 9 games, nearly knocking off Clemson in week 2. Both teams finishing in the top 20. They're going to be probably top 15 teams in the preseason polls. Are we overhyping them? You know, my thing would be this. We always overhype them. Okay? That's just the reality. And I think Texas fans would admit that how many times in the past 10 years have they started in the top 25 in the preseason? and then been out of them by the time the season ends. I wish I had it right in front of me. I don't. But I guarantee you it's been at least half a dozen times, if not more, over the past 10 years, before this past year. And you think about Texas. I mean, great. Ellinger's coming back. Year three under Tom Herman. A lot to like. Colin Johnson in the fold. Offensive line. A year older under uh, Herb Hand. All this stuff. But you are losing. And as good as the recruiting has been, Todd Orlando does lose eight starters on defense. That's a big deal. And you think about Texas A&M losing its top two tacklers. I'm not going to get into A&M too much and their personnel because, frankly, talking about A&M is a waste of my breath, a waste of your breath, or a waste of your brain power. Because as far as I'm concerned, A&M uh, took their ball and went home. They are a bunch of wimps, and they act like they're now big time in the SEC. Oh, we're in the SEC. You finish fifth in the SEC every year. You got nothing to show for it, sans Johnny Manziel and Cliff Kingsbury, which feels like a lifetime ago. For Johnny Manziel, it's like eight rehabs ago, and for Cliff Kingsbury, it's three jobs ago. He's now in the NFL, for crying out loud. And who would have predicted this three years ago? Let me throw this out there. How about this? Cliff Kingsbury has an NFL job, or when was Manziel drafted? I guess it was 2014. I'm going to tell you draft night in 2014, five years from now, Cliff Kingsbury's in the NFL and Johnny Manziel isn't. Who saw that coming, all right? <laughs> totally beside the point. But in this article, and I was reminded of this, state rep in Texas, Lyle Larson, Texas a and alum, typical of him, he followed a House Bill 412 that called for Texas and Texas A&M to play annually. If either school refused, they would be docked athletic scholarships or state funding, according to the bill. Larson said this was basically just to get a conversation going. How big of a hack do you have to be? You, I mean, I don't live in Texas. I live up in Missouri right now, Kansas City. If I had a state rep who was wasting his time on this type of stuff i would walk into his office and request my tax dollars back in cash payments hey buddy put it on a silver platter for me that is comical and i remember reading that but this article reminded me of it and it just uh, it blew my mind some of these state reps are such hacks in politics it's unbelievable it it is but i'd love to see texas whip up texas a&m again but you know and i know there is very little advantage to AM doing this because A&M can say, we're in the mighty SEC, we're Texas and Um, instead of actually factoring in how they would do against their in-state rival. That's how they think they have a recruiting edge against Texas by saying they're in the SEC. Therefore, they don't want to have to play them on the field. That's all they want to do. They want to go, SEC better than Big 12. Come here. Have fun with it. I'm not I'm not losing any sleep over it. I'll tell you that right now. Well. It's always good to have you on board. Coming up, let's talk to Matthew Postins about some Big 12 basketball. Down the home stretch we go right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of (laughs) heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, let's turn our attention to the final couple of weeks of hoops in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Let's welcome a guy who covers this conference as well as anybody on the basketball side of things. He's Matthew Poston's joining us right here on the show. Uh, Matthew, you know, this week, uh, not as many games for the Big 12, but after Baylor takes care of business against Iowa State on Tuesday night, You now have half of the conference within two games of each other down the home stretch with, what, two and a half weeks left. Uh, As a fan, step away for a second here from the analyst perspective. As a fan, it doesn't get any better than this, Matthew. It just doesn't.
2: No, this is NFL-level parity right here. (laughs) When you have that many teams within the top of the uh, conference lead going into the final five, six games of the season— uh, from a competitive standpoint and from a fan standpoint, that's exactly what you want. I mean, Baylor's a team that most of us gave up for dead a month ago and they're, in the out, they're on the outskirts, but they're still there. You know, Iowa state is a team that could do it. Um, they, they pretty much have to win out after losing to Baylor uh, the other night. Then you got Kansas and Texas tech and uh, they're going to, they're going to settle quite a bit of this on Saturday when they play each other in Lubbock uh, because they're both a game behind Kansas state who, came off their loss to Iowa State and ended up beating uh, West Virginia. And then they get Oklahoma State this weekend, a game they should win, which means if Kansas ends up beating Texas Tech and Kansas State wins, and that mi- big Monday game becomes, becomes theoretically a Big 12 championship game.
0: Yeah, that could be a fantastic scene next Monday in Lawrence. Well, uh, let's kind of go through this here. You know, the, the You talked about some of the big games this weekend, but you're right. I mean, Kansas plays at Tech on Saturday – And then you've got the big game in Lawrence on Monday. You pointed out some of the other big ones there. At this point, I know that Kansas State still is in first place. But if you were a betting man and it's like, you know, Matthew, I got to put my money on the line here on somebody. Are you going to go back to the well here? Are the Jayhawks still going to pull this thing out? Or are you going to give give the Wildcats the edge on this?
2: this will be a really interesting game on Monday should this game be for the conference championship. And even if it's not, you know, even if it's a situation where it's just Kansas and Kansas state, I mean, Kansas state's been a good road team this year. They've been six and four on the road this year. So when you consider how difficult it is to win on the road in the big 12, that's a pretty solid record overall for the season, but Kansas hasn't lost a home game yet. And they've been challenged. Uh, Texas challenged them. Uh, TCU challenged them. They've had a couple of other challenges at home this season, you know, close games, but they haven't lost yet at home. And even though they're starting four freshmen, even though they don't have a lot of depth right now, uh, they're still finding a way to get it done. Uh, Devin Dotson's been playing some great basketball the last couple of games. And I think this break for them, they got the week long break. Every Big 12 team gets one. They got a week-long break at the perfect time because they they needed a little rest going into that game with Texas Tech on Saturday. Only problem is Texas Tech got the same week-long break too, so mm-hmm. uh, that means both teams should be very well rested. I, I don't know. I I think if Dean Wade is healthy, I like Kansas State being able to go into Lawrence and win that game. It, it's a it's going to be a difficult place to play. Everybody knows uh, how those fans are into the game. But I just got a feeling that Kansas State, this is their year. They they have the ability to do it. They have everything they need to beat Kansas on the road and win this championship in the regular season. They just have to go out and do it. So I, I think right now I'm leaning toward K-State winning that game.
0: Matthew Poston's joining us, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Matthew, you follow the bracketology. You know, Lenardi still has eight Big 12 teams in the tournament, I believe. So that means he's got OU in the mix, basically everybody but Oklahoma State and West Virginia. You know, are you still buying the Sooners making the NCAA tournament at this point? I know they got the good win last week against TCU, but, you know, they got three ranked teams down the home stretch here Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. Can you put in a team that's, you know, multiple games under 500 in conference play in the big dance?
2: Well, it's possible. I mean, you know, like you said, Oklahoma State, they've got a really tough schedule down the stretch. If they were to lose to all the ranked teams and win the remaining games, I think that would make them 6-12 uh, and 12 in league play. Uh, so, you know, I-, I think that makes it difficult. But if you look at last year's standings, um, Oklahoma made the tournament. They were eight and ten in conference play. They were eighteen and fourteen overall. Texas made the tournament with an eight and ten record in conference play, and they were nineteen and fifteen overall. So uh, we saw teams that were under five hundred make the conference uh, make the uh, uh, NCAA tournament last year. Granted, this would be an interesting litmus test because I really can't see OU being better than six or seven wins in conference, assuming they lose to those ranked teams. Uh, They would still have a good BPI. They would still have a good RPI but they wouldn't quite be at 20 wins unless they go on a good run in the big 12 tournament. So, you know, they're not a solid NCAA tournament team at this point, like they were a few weeks ago. I mean, they're, uh, I think Lenardi had them as one of the last four buys, which means that's the stage just before they're one of the last four in, or the one of the first four out. Mm-hmm. So they're right there kind of on the bubble right now. TCU, that that's an interesting uh, conversation for the committee should Oklahoma and TCU kind of be in similar circumstances because Oklahoma swept TCU in the regular season. So if it comes down to those two teams, that could make the difference between one or the other making the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah. um, You know, when you look at this uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders team, they had that tough stretch there in what? I guess it was middle of January or so where they lost to Iowa State, Baylor, and K-State. And it was like, all right, this is not quite what we expected. Since then, they've ripped off uh, six wins in seven games Why has that been? What has turned around for Chris Beard's team?
2: Well, I think, first, their defensive identity didn't change. You know, sometimes when you go through lulls like that, coaches try to tweak things or change the identity or, you know, make adjustments that may not necessarily make sense for their team. Uh, In this case, Chris Beard stayed the course. Their identity is a tough man-to-man defensive team, especially in the half court, and they stuck with that identity, and I think that served them well. But more importantly on the offensive end, I think they started to rely too much on Jarrett Culver offensively. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. This guy could potentially be an NBA lottery pick after this season. But I I think during that three-game losing streak, there was a little bit too much of the rest of those guys on the team standing around and watching Jarrett Culver do something because he kind of rescued them a couple of times. He'd rescued them against West Virginia early in the season and another game I think against Texas. Uh, early in the season, so there was some of that standing around and watching the star do his work. Now when you watch them offensively, it, it's a much more cohesive unit. Culver's still getting good games, but David Imoretti, uh Tariq Owens, Matt Mooney, uh, they've got three or four guys now in addition to Culver that are giving them solid offense night in and night out, and it's that balanced approach that Chris Beard wants to lean on as they go through the rest of Big 12 play. And get into the NCAA tournament. That more than anything has allowed them to get out of that three-game lull and get back to winning six out of seven, like you said. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Matthew, as as we talk about the depth of this Big Twelve team or Big Big Twelve conference, do you see a team? You know, Kansas State is a veteran squad, not a ton of depth necessarily, but you like to have a veteran team going into the Big Dance. I know we got a month or so until we get there, but do you see a team that is poised for a deep run or do we have a situation where it's like, you know, we can make an argument for half the conference to make the Sweet 16, but there might not be that Final Four national championship team there?
2: That's kind of where we were last year. I mean, uh, Kansas State, Kansas, and Texas Tech, both, all three of them made it to the Sweet 16. I could see three Sweet 16 teams coming out of this conference. Um, I think the one team that, If things work right and they could really catch fire, it could be Iowa State. They're the best offensive team in the tournament, and sometimes being the best offensive team in your conference going into the tournament isn't necessarily the best thing. But this is a team that has five or six legitimate offensive options that can take over on a given night. They have great three-point shooting on the outside. Uh, They've got a couple of really talented freshmen that uh, can really put the ball in the basket on a regular basis. You know, you you see teams, they get into the tournament, and if they if they if if things click right, especially in the offensive end, they really go on a run. Now, that was part of what it was with Kansas State last year. You know, even though they didn't have Dean Wade, the rest of those guys in that team really compensated and played well on the offensive side of the ball, and they were able to get to the Elite Eight. Iowa State's a team that I could see at full strength. If they get hot on offense, they could win two or three in the tournament. Mm-hmm.
0: Matthew, this Baylor team is kind of tough to figure out lately, especially. You look at them, they get blown out by Tech last week, but then they get a great road win in a tough road environment on Tuesday night against Iowa State. Uh, I mean, I know you've been on them early on. I mean, ever since we turned the calendar to the conference play, you've said, hey, this Baylor team is surprising me. They are exceeding expectations. Where do you think they are now? I mean, they have a home game Saturday against West Virginia. They still have to play Kansas State and Kansas, each team once. I guess... To put it bluntly, what is this team at this point?
2: I I think they're a team that is really playing at a level that I don't think even Scott Drew kind of expected at this point in the season. You know, Tuesday night, they out-rebounded Iowa State by 13, and their team's not very tall. I mean, (laughs) Freddie Gillespie had a great night. He had a double-double, but... You know their best rebounder over the past two years has really been their six five guard, Mark Vital, and that's really the best thing he he does for that team is rebound six seven a game. They they get it done rebounding with effort. They get it done by using fundamentals. And you know Scott Drew said after that game that it's a mindset. You know the the seniors tell the freshmen rebounding is what we're about. And if you if you give a lot of effort on the rebounding side of the ball you can take care of some of the other deficiencies that you have. And their biggest deficiency right now is injury. Mekhi Mason has the injured toe. He played the other night. He had 14 points. They don't have King McClure back yet, but the injuries that they've had this season have allowed players like Freddie Gillespie Gillespie and Flo Thamba and uh, Jared Butler to progress quicker than I think anyone expected them to after the first two months of the season. So now you have a team that is really, instead of being, you know, focused around Tristan Clark, who's hurt. You now have a team that is really guard focused around Mason and McClure and Butler. And then you have an interesting inside game where Freddie Gillespie is starting to give you more on the inside. Thamba can give them something off the bench. So they have a little bit more of an inside out game than they probably had at the beginning of conference season. And that's what's allowed them to be in the top five of the league to this point. The great thing is it looks like they're going to avoid that first day of the big 12 tournament. And I think that's going to help them because they'll end up getting one of those teams that comes out of that first day of the tournament, which is probably going to be comprised of Oklahoma State, West Virginia, maybe Oklahoma, probably TCU. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it's going to be really interesting to follow. A great weekend of hoops coming up. Great couple of weeks of hoops coming up. Matthew Poston covers the Big 12 Conference on the basketball side as well as anybody. Matthew, awesome stuff. We'll do this again uh, next week. Look forward to it. Okay, thanks, Pete. Well, coming up, who is best set to challenge OU in Texas over the next five years? We'll tell you who right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So, you know, I don't do this very often, if ever, but I'm going to share and give some love to a guy that, yes, is a staple in the SEC. I got to do it once in a blue moon. I'm willing to. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegesports.com. You know, you're sitting there. It's the tail end of winter. Yes, basketball's down the home stretch. March Madness around the corner. Spring ball around the corner. But you're dying for something to latch on to. Maybe you need a little bit of motivation today. Maybe that's what you need. Well, let's get it from a guy who is a controversial figure. Although, I admittedly don't know why there's any controversy around him or behind him. And he's Tim Tebow, the former Florida Gators quarterback, who I respect the heck out of. I like more than anybody else in the SEC combined. (laughs) Take all my love for the entire SEC, and it does not come close to Tim Tebow, who I respect the heck out of. You know, The guy could be playing Major League Baseball this year, depending on whether or not the New York Mets call him up. He had a great moment of inspiration this week. That's about a minute long clip that I will share with you right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Here is what Tim Tebow had to say.
1: You know, it's it's really trying to keep perspective and um, and not letting other people define you because they sure do want to. And um, shoot, it's you know, I try to encourage young people all the time to not let the world or Um, other people outside sources define you because you're always going to have critics and naysayers and people that are going to tell you that you won't, that you can't, that you shouldn't. Most of those people are the people that didn't, that wouldn't, that couldn't. And, And don't be defined by outside sources. You go after your dreams. Um, succeeding or failing is not making it to the bigs or it's not necessarily fulfilling that. It's not. It's having to not live with regret because I didn't try. And, you know, I just feel for all the young people out there that don't go after something because they're so afraid of failing that you're going to live with a lot more regret than you would have if you tried and you failed. And I'm very passionate about that. Um, And I think the reason that a lot of people don't go after things is because um, how much you will be criticized and what if I fall flat on my face and so fear and doubt and all these things creep in and um, I just don't believe that's the healthiest way to live. I don't want to have to live with fear or doubt every day and you know regardless of what everyone here says about me it doesn't define me. And I'm so grateful that doesn't define me. There's one thing that defines me, and that's what God says about me. And and besides that, I get to go live out my dreams and try to help as many people along the way as possible.
0: So you got to show some love there. You got it right for uh, for Mr. Tim Tebow. I hate the SEC. You guys know that. You know how I feel about the SEC. But Tim Tebow. I don't know why people don't like the guy. He's inspirational. He doesn't care what people think, but he does it in a friendly, conversational manner. That's great advice for you. Maybe you needed to hear that. All right? Maybe you needed a little bit of love there. Well, someone asked me this on uh, Twitter sometime in the past week, and it was a conversation about You got OU, you got Texas right now. And I think most people believe that they are set to dominate the conference like they did for many years, but didn't for the past 10 years. They're expected to be 1-2 here over the next several years with Lincoln Riley, Tom Herman, and how those two programs have recruited. But then who is the team? Someone asked, who's the team outside of Texas or Oklahoma that you think could crash that party and win a Big 12 title over the next five years? And I had to think about it. And I was like, well, you can make an argument for probably four teams, right? You can make an argument for Baylor. You can make me an argument for Oklahoma State. You can make me an argument for Iowa State. But I still believe the team that is most likely to crash that party in the Big 12 Conference is the TCU Horn Frogs. You know, I think you get a combination of first off the team that recruits the third best in the conference, which TCU has over the past at least couple of seasons. They've had top 20, top 30 programs in recruiting. So Gary Patterson has gotten that on track since the move from the Mountain West to the Big 12. That's obviously a factor. But also a factor is you got the best coach. If you got to win me one game right now in the Big 12 conference, I'm taking Gary Patterson. It's not meant to be a knock on Lincoln Riley or Tom Herman or Matt Rule or anybody else, Mike Gundy. It's just that's how much I like Gary Patterson. This guy finds ways. The fact that this TCU team that was decimated by injuries wins its final two games of the year, gets to a bowl game, and then wins one of the ugliest bowl games in football history in that Cheez-It Bowl. That was all G.P., It's all Gary Patterson. What this guy has done with that program and continues to do with that program is unbelievable. So I still believe that when you talk about which team is in the best position to crash the Texas-Oklahoma party, it's still TCU. It doesn't mean it can't be Baylor or Iowa State or Oklahoma State. It can be those teams. And who knows? Maybe we're talking in a year about that being Texas Tech or that being West Virginia, depending on how the coaching staffs do there. So There are possibilities, but right now, I still have to give Gary Patterson and TCU the edge. Now, obviously, we don't know what the heck's going on at quarterback there. Uh, You know, Sean Robinson's transferred. Mike Collins underwent surgery. Not expected to do anything this spring and, frankly, was not overly impressed with him last year anyway. Justin Rogers, still not 100% after he's dealt with that knee injury since his senior year of high school. And Max Duggan, big-time recruit, has not stepped on campus yet. So how likely would I say it is right now? I, I don't know. I don't have that answer. But what I do know is that if Gary Patterson ever finds himself, that next quarterback, that uh, Trevon Boykin, uh, you know, Kenny Hill was serviceable, but that Trevon Boykin type that can legitimately win you a Big 12 championship, you need that guy. I mean, that team overachieved around Kenny Hill. Kenny Hill was a nice player. I don't think you win conference championship with Kenny Hill. If Jalen Rodgers can be that guy or if Max Duggan can be that guy, then you know what? Watch out Big 12 because, you know, Gary Patterson's going to coach him up as well as anybody. He's going to groom him as well as anybody. And he's got the third-best recruiting class consistently in the conference. So that's why I look to Gary Patterson and the TCU Frogs as that team and that program that is most likely to crash the OU Texas party here over the coming years, over the next at least five years. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much to uh, many of you guys for joining us here as you do each and every week. Thousands of you, whether it's radio, YouTube, podcast, whatever it might be. Uh, We are growing this thing every week. It's because of you. Can't thank you enough for being a part of it. And spring football preview is going to be right around the corner on heartlandcollegesports.com. So stay tuned for all of that. Hold on to your seat. Enjoy the hoops the next several days. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, a part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We crank up our music
2: Friday nights 2,000
0: country stations Yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right Thanks, guys, for checking out this week's show. Really do appreciate it. We're growing because of you. Please do leave that rating, um, review, subscribe. And if you email me your rating and your review to Pete M-U-N-D-O, M-U-N-D-O at com, I will send you a free koozie in the mail. Good deal, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week.